The Real Estate Sessions is brought to you by FIRST. FIRST knows that a real estate professional's most valuable asset is their relationships. A strong personal network is the moat that can guard against any industry disruption. But there is never enough time to nurture your network the way you want to. FIRST powers top agents with artificial intelligence to spotlight the people who are most likely to sell. This brings focus and attention to make important connections when it matters most. Learn more and request a free demo at first.io. I love being able to help people and give back. And like I said earlier, I have been given so much that, you know, there's that famous saying for those who are given much, much is expected. And I just love being able to see people's eyes light up and uh, nothing drives me more than all the people that come up to me after I speak and say, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I want to do or I can relate to that. Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions podcast, where industry leaders share their stories and offer tips and advice for real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Rissa of Fidelity National Title in Tampa, Florida. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 155 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. As always, thank you so much for checking us out and tuning in and telling a friend and and of course, thank you for the reviews and ratings at iTunes and all those other places. It helps the show grow, and uh, I, I can't thank you enough. And, and today, I'm really excited. I get to talk to somebody who I just saw present at the Florida Association of Realtors State Convention last week as we record this. Uh, and her name is Marguerite Crispillo. And I've known Marguerite for a long time online, as many of the relationships today start. Uh, but to be able to see her present in person, she was amazing. Uh, I asked, went up after the, the presentation and said, Marguerite, I got to get you on the podcast. Uh, would you mind? And she said, absolutely not. So Marguerite, thanks for uh, for appearing on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's, it's such an honor. I, I know we have chatted for a few years back and forth, and it was such a, a pleasure and honor to get to meet you. And I'm even more excited to be here on your show today. My curiosity is what started this podcast. I love finding out about people. You can ask my wife. I tend to ask way too many questions, probably way too soon when I know somebody, you know, I'm that guy. But uh, but here I, I get I get to do it. It's it's allowed and it's expected. So I first of all, I know you live up in uh, kind of the Sacramento area, Northern California. Uh, are you are you a native of, of NorCal? You know, I have been born and raised in Northern California. I love to say that I was actually born in the town of Paradise, California, a small little town outside of Chico. And so I think I was a heavenly baby because I was born in paradise, right? <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. But I've lived here my whole life and I've, I now live about two hours from where I was born. So I love California. I think it's one of the best places on earth. I was born and raised in Southern California and uh, San Diego. And I, I did attend UC Davis, right? Which is, is that? Oh, yeah. What county is that? Yolo? It's Yolo County. and yeah. It's about an hour from me. So, so not too far at all. It's the original, you only live once, YOLO, right? That's awesome. Exactly. <laughs> but I, I, you know, for the funny thing, for the longest time, I had no idea what that meant. You know, so I had to ask my kids. I'm like, what does that mean? Like, I'm always asking them what all these initials and acronyms mean. I'm, I'm right with you. I Googled it. So, um, but, <laughs> but I, I attended UC Davis for one quarter. I thought I was going to be a veterinarian. And uh, my sophomore year, I transferred up there from UC San Diego and me and my cat Liza in a little one bedroom apartment. I could only make it one quarter. I went home. I didn't. Oh, I, just, wow. I couldn't yeah. handle it. The culture shock was a was a bit much from San Diego to a, a little town like Davis. But for the people that aren't familiar, you know, because most people 
maybe they stop at San Francisco or they, you know, they don't go east of the Bay. Talk about what it's like out there in, the, in that neck of the woods in California. Well, you know, like I said a, a minute ago, I really think it's one of the best places on earth. I mean, where we live, I live outside of Sacramento. I'm about 45 minutes outside of Sacramento in a town called Lincoln, and which is in Placer County by Roseville, Rockland. And where we sit, we're like a 90 minutes from everything to two hours. Like I can make it to San Francisco in less than two hours. I can go to Napa, to the wine country. I can go to Tahoe and hang out at the lake. I can, you know, go to the, the desert. And even right where I live in Lincoln now, we have what's called the Placer Wine Tour. So we have 32 wineries within about a 10 to 15 mile radius of where I live. So uh, not a bad place to be at all. And, you know, we have great weather here. It does get hot. Don't get me wrong. But I'll tell you what, after being in Florida and that humidity, I'm happy to be home. <laughs> I'll take the dry heat here all day long over that uh sweat box and I love Florida don't get me wrong but the humidity was a little bit of a shock for me I was not quite prepared to to be in all that humidity but I think we have a great we have a great area that we live in and it's sometimes kind of a little hidden secret we're not near the beach so you know people people all think whenever you say you live in California they think you're from LA right right oh yeah you're right are you near LA I'm like about eight hours north yeah (laughs) Yeah, and you got some. There's some pretty dramatic swings in temperature where you're at. Like you can hit a hundred, right? Even though it's for people that you know think, oh, Northern oh, California, yeah. it can get warm, and then you also you, oh, can, you yeah. can get cold in the winter, right? Well, so uh, we can get to even as high as 112, 115. I mean, it, it gets it can get pretty warm where we live. And in the wintertime, I can't really say it gets cold because my friends in Wisconsin and North Dakota and stuff will laugh at me. Right. Um, but, I mean, it gets probably in the 20s. We're, like I said, a little south of Tahoe area. But Tahoe is where, you know, they get snow. And so I get to go visit snow and come home, which is the best kind of snow for me. Yeah, I agree. Let's yeah. talk Let's talk about um, growing up in, in, you know, Northern California was real estate even something you even thought you were going to do when you were, say, in your late teens? You know, it's so funny because I never even remotely, I didn't even know a realtor. I mean, I didn't grow up, I grew up in a, a pretty poor situation with a single mom. And I do remember when I was about 12 years old, my mom was actually able to buy a home. And it was such a big deal. You know, it was, it was such an accomplishment for her. And I I still am so proud that she was able to do that. But I never, I I don't remember that situation because I was so young and I never really thought about real estate at all. And, you know, I grew up in Chico and when I was around 22, I packed my bags and, you know, headed for the great Sacramento area. And when I came down here, I ended up working in a banking, uh, in, in like a bank. I was a secretary of a, of a loan officer area. So I learned a little bit about that. And my husband, I met him at the, around that time and he was in the mortgage business. And so I kind of paid attention to him, but I didn't really have any interest in the mortgage business. So I would do, I would did like some secretarial stuff and assistant work and things like that in the, in the mortgage side. But I actually began, I got a job as a cocktail waitress which I loved doing that. I was a cocktail waitress for Black Angus (laughs) and it was so much fun. I mean, I was, you know, 22, 23 years old. I got to 
you know, party all night with everybody, but I didn't drink. So I got to make money and party and have a good time. And I was a cocktail waitress for about five years. And then a friend of mine, uh, Marlena and I started a beverage catering business where we would cater the bars for weddings and parties and stuff like that. And ended up getting, by having to buy a bar for the liquor license. So we had this bar and this bar business. And then, of course, partnerships don't work out very often. And so we ended up with the bar. She ended up with the catering business. And the irony is, is that she's now, years later, one of the top loan officers in the area. Right? She's one of my good friends. Wow. And I've been in real estate all these years. So we were in the bar business for a while, and that was a ton of fun. But then we had children, and raising kids in a bar environment is not always uh, the best. So around 93, we got out of the bar business, and my husband, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. We had a young son, Jordan. My husband said, well, why don't you get your real estate license, and you can do loans, because interest rates had dropped to like an all-time low of 8%. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> and we thought, oh my gosh, they're never going to get any lower, right? So I was going to jump in and do loans, become a loan officer. Well, I did loans for about a year and truthfully, I hated it. It was, it was no fun. Calling on real estate agents is no fun. So God bless all of the affiliates and the lenders out there. You guys have a rough road and we're lucky to have you, right? Ah, that's music um, to my music to my ears, but but I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, because you know people just you know calling on real estate agents is no fun. So I decided I didn't like the loan side, and we had bought our first house, um, not our first house. We bought the house that we live in now, and the agent was an REO broker, and he says, "Well, why don't you come work for for me as an assistant?" And I was had just had our second son and pregnant with a third, so I was trying to figure out what I could do as a mom and have some flexibility and, you know, be able to hang out with my kids and that kind of thing. So I went to work as his assistant and his phones would just like ring off the hook like crazy. Cause this was, you know, tons of REO stuff at the time. And I was like, Luigi, what do you want me to do? And he goes, well, go show property. I'm like, okay. And this was back, you know, in the days when we didn't have all the, I'm dating myself, but back when we didn't have all the computer systems and, you know, right. ways people search. Didn't, didn't even have cell phones yet, I don't think. And so I come back and say, well, they want to write an offer. He's like, write an offer. It's like, okay. <laughs> so it was kind of the sink or swim method that many of us real estate agents get thrown into, right? Right. And uh, I ended up selling 18 houses in my first six months, and I thought I knew it all. I was like, wow, this is super cool. I love selling real estate. Like, it was a blast. I love, love, loved it. My, and my... being able to work around my kids was amazing. Right. And my guess is your your experience as a server, as somebody at a bar, that you know, I find that realtors that have that background are really, really good at the uh, tough part of real estate, which is listening to uh, to a customer and trying to help them and, and be of service. And do you do you agree with that assessment? I think that uh, being a waitress or bartender or wait staff is the best sales training on the planet. Nice. I don't think you can beat it. And, and I, I say that because of exactly the reasons you said, but the reality is you're dealing with such different personalities, right? And you're dealing with all different people in all stages of their personality, such as drinking, not drinking. Okay? Right. Um, and so you're dealing with people in all kinds of wacky situations. You're also learning how to sell. If you, I mean, we get paid on results as a waitress, right? So you get paid on tips. You get, you know, small 
hourly wage or whatever, but the majority of your income is based on tips. And in order to get those tips, you have to learn how to take great care of people, how to upsell them as well, how to um, help them see the value in buying, you know, a top shelf liquor instead of a well liquor, right? how to get them to buy additional appetizers. And you just learn so much stuff in dealing with people that really does relate to the real estate world in a million ways. Yeah. I mean, I could go on and on about that, but right. absolutely. I believe that it's great sales training. Now you, you started in 93 with Luigi and by 96, you, you open up your own brokerage, right? Well, so 93, I got my license. 94, I did loans for about a year. Okay. I worked for Luigi in 95. And then I always laugh at this because, you know, 2020 hindsight is the best um, experience ever, right? So I had been in real estate about a year, literally selling real estate when I thought, oh, I know it all. I'm going to go open my own brokerage because wow. that's the smart thing to do when you've been in real estate less than a year. <laughs> it probably wasn't the smartest thing on the planet. But I think it was a great experience. So I got my license in, I mean, I got, we opened our brokerage in January of 96. And I was, again, expecting our third child. He was born in July of 96. So I now had three young kids under the age of five. Opened my own brokerage and trying to figure it all out. I will say one of the best things I did is I shortly after opening my brokerage, I got involved with Joe Stump. He had buy referral only back in the day. Sure. Remember that? Yeah, I went to a couple of his uh, one day events. They were great. Yeah. And got involved with him and learned about the buy referral only process because I had been told when I got into real estate, you have to go cold call. And I had already sold 18 houses without cold calling. So I thought, okay, well, how's that going to work? But I then realized a lot of those leads were given to me from the agent that I worked with, Luigi. But I said, oh, I hate cold calling. I don't want to do it. And I remember going to a class at a local title company where we walked in and they gave us like these phone books and they said, okay, start dialing. And I was like, what? <laughs> so I, I remember doing it for about an hour and thinking, I am not going to make it as a real estate agent if this is what is required. I'm, I feel like I want to throw up. And so I left there and I said, all right, I got to figure something else out. Well, the good news was the timing was about the time that I met Joe, um, Joe Stump at Referral Only. And so I learned a lot about referral methods, but I also learned that I love to have parties and entertain. And so I started really a big part of my career has come from having parties and functions and events and from small to big and really just connecting with people. And I think that's where some of the stuff that's going on today with a lot of the technology and all the lead platforms and all this stuff, I mean, that's all fine and dandy, but our business is and has always been built on face-to-face -face relationships, getting in front of people. And the more of those relationships I think that you can create and develop and deepen, the more successful you will be all day long. I, and I love so hearing that. That's great. Yeah. Because, you know, again, for me to cold call or for me to take internet leads, well, well let's talk about it this way. So here's the conversion rate, right? Is if you do advertising, and, and I'm not jogging Zillow or Realtor.com or anybody like that, there's a place for them. And you do need some advertising in your business. Every business needs some sort of advertising in some capacity. But 
the reality is, is to be so dependent on that is to me what is kind of crazy. So you take those internet leads or people that come from some sort of advertising and the conversion rate is 100 to 1. It means you've got to get 100 leads to get one closed deal out of it. And you'll hear people all the time, oh, my conversion rate's better than that. Well, there are some extraordinarily talented people who are able to get higher conversion rates. But for the average agent out there, the conversion rate is awful. And the second best way is business connections. Like, how are you connecting with business people? That conversion rate is 10 to 1. But the best one ever is 3 to 1, which is people that know you, like you, and trust you, your family, friends, your sphere of influence, people that you connect with, people that you meet at the baseball games, people that, you know, you hang out with at your kids' soccer events or your church or different places like that where you do business and talk to people, that conversion rate is three to one. Why would you not focus your time and energy there? That's the part that I don't understand about this industry. And the irony is, is that brokerages as a whole are counting on the fact that you are going to sell to your family and friends the first couple of years. And most people don't make it past that, right? There's kind of that famous saying that says, uh, agents get into this business, they piss off their family and friends, and then they get out. (laughs) (laughs) Because they don't ever learn and develop the skills or that relationship building uh, ability to stay in contact with those people that you know and like you and trust you. And that's where the real fortune is made is in that follow-up. Yeah. So, you know, it's different. It's, it's, to me, if more energy was put on that, uh, people would do much, much better. But when people only focus on leads, 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 I need more leads. I'm going to go spend money at Zillow. I'm going to go spend money here. I'm going to do a park venture. And they're not tracking any of that. They don't have any idea where their business is coming from. And they're just blowing money. And most people don't have deep pockets to be able to support that kind of lead generation. They could spend the same money going out and taking clients to lunch and get two or three referrals out of it. You built a very successful operation there with Realty First. And we'll talk about your recent change shortly. Um, Built on a referral-based strategy, right? Uh, Taking care of the people that are already know, like, and trust. But on the technology side of things, there have been lots of advancements, you know, through that time frame. Think about from 96 to today, what's happened in technology and real oh, estate. Oh, I know. You, you have to embrace parts mm-hmm. of that, right? I mean, you have to, whether it's a CRM to help you track better, uh, you know, obviously the way mobile works and all those kinds of things. Were you kind of an early adopter of some of those technologies or did you kind of wait to see it get worked out? How do you fall on that? You know, I will say that I was definitely an early adopter. I'm kind of a jump first, figure it out later type of person, which doesn't always serve me. But <laughs> the the reality is, is that I early on, yes, created a database. I early on was doing some stuff on the internet. Like I remember back in the day, I don't, I'm sure you probably know who Dean Jackson is. And Dean Jackson uh, runs ilovemarketing.com and um, some other stuff that he does in the real estate industry. And they used to have these internet marketing weekends and we would go for the weekend and figure out kind of all of the internet strategies and domain names were such a big thing back then, right? Where I ended up getting some awesome domain names like Your Home Sold Fast and uh, Home Zero Down and Placer County MLS and did some really kind of cool marketing back then with internet leads. And I laugh because 
even HUD homes were such a big deal back then. Like when I first started, we would get the HUD list faxed to us um, and we would get it on a Thursday. We would take that fax list and we would copy and cut and paste it into and put our logos and our information and stuff on it. And then we would email those out. We would snail mail them out. We would fax them out to different people that we had attracted with some of the internet marketing that we were doing. So yeah, it was, I mean, definitely old school. Now it's so much easier. So when agents complain, I just, I, I just want to laugh at them, you know, with all due respect, it's like, it's so much easier now in a lot of ways to connect with people and build relationships. Like I love Facebook and social media. It's an amazing way to stay in contact with people that you care about. So there's so much technology that is that has enhanced our business and improved our lives. But at the end of the day, all it does is make it easier to get face to face, right? Right. right. Uh, yeah. And that's where that's where the real uh, rubber hits the road. That's the important part that I think sometimes people forget. Like I, I love it when I hear somebody say, "No, I've heard some of our agents talking one day on the phone, and they're talking to a client." On the phone, live and in person, they're like, okay, so now go to our website. And I was like, wait, stop. Wait, <laughs> what are you doing? You've got them on the phone. Like, don't send them off into Never Never Land where they're going to talk to somebody else. Right? right. Like, no, you got it. That's the goal. The goal of all lead generation is to get them on the phone. The goal of all technology is to get in front of people face to face. And that's the number one goal. Number one get in front of them because you have a 70% chance of working with somebody. If you just get in front of them, mostly because people are too lazy to go out and interview multiple agents. So <laughs> just get in front of them and the odds go way up. Let me, let me ask you a question. You, um, I want to, I want to jump ahead. I'm actually going to jump up to 2016 when you take realty first and become part of the, uh, we'll call it part of the EXP realty juggernaut, but it wasn't quite the juggernaut yeah. at that time. Right. I think, um, I think your timing is really fortunate and really, um, uh, I don't want to say lucky because, you know, EXP is doing some great stuff, but, but I'd love to take, you know, I'd love your take on the growth of EXP. What, what forced your caused you to, um, kind of align with them in 2016? Well, so let me back up a little bit. I'll make sure. this brief, but we, we had taken our Realty First company and around 2009 when the market was, you know, bad, <laughs> Yeah. Um, we were looking to try to figure out how we could grow it. We'd only built it to about 25 agents. And so we decided at that time, okay, well, let's, how can we grow this company and be able to stay focused? And we decided to buy a franchise. And so we bought that franchise and we ended up opening three offices, spent a boatload of money, built it over the next few years to about 120 agents. Now, by most people's standards, we were doing really well. But I was looking at what was coming next, which I think is an important aspect for people to pay attention to. Okay, now we have this brokerage, what next? Well, we thought, well, okay, let's see what we can do to sell it or put it in a position to sell it because that was really the goal. And my husband was diagnosed at Park with Parkinson's at the time, so the stress of running a big brokerage was getting much. And when we looked at trying to sell it, a few things came into play. Number one, because we were only halfway into a 10-year agreement, we would have to sell it as the same franchise. And there were not a lot of people that were interested in that franchise. 
The second part was you had to pull my personal production out of it. And I was the top producer at the company. So when you pulled my production out of the company, the company was really hemorrhaging and losing a ton of money. And it just wasn't making any sense anymore. So we decided to shut down that franchise. We got out of the franchise and shut down the brokerage. And all but about 20 of our agents scattered. We helped them relocate to other brokerages and the whole bit. We wanted to just keep things simple to kind of scale back and keep it simple. And so we got out of that. 20 stayed with us. They said, we're not going. We want to stay with you. And over the next couple of years, this was January 2015, I got recruited by everybody. Um, you know, I got flown to all the big events and all that kind of stuff. But none of them really made much sense for me. I was like, I, I don't know. Why, why would I join your company? And the big overwhelming response was always, oh, because of our brand. And this is just some advice I want to give to some of the brands out there. Is that brand only matters when you have nothing else, in my opinion. Hmm. Meaning that if you don't have the skill and the training to go out and develop your business, then you will rely on a brand and you will rely on that brand to help support you, which I think personally is a, da- is a dangerous position to be in. And I just don't think that it's a great place to be. So brand was not enough for me to go join a company. And so when I really looked at that and said, I'm not going to go anywhere, I'm just going to keep it simple. I don't need to do the production that I was doing anymore because I don't have the overhead to support. And that's something people that own their own brokerages really need to look at is if you pulled your production out of it, do you really have a company or are you paying to work there? And so after it was October of 2016 and uh, my good friend Brent gave me a call and he said, hey, Marguerite, I want I really want to get your opinion about this new company. And I said, Brent, thank you so much. I love you to pieces, but I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) I'm not interested in any other companies. I'm not going to join anyone else. And because he's a friend of mine, he came over and he says, hey, let's go to lunch. I just want to talk to you about it. And I'm like, all right. You know, it's kind of a favor to him. And I sat down and watched the information about EXP. And I have to tell you, within about 10 or 15 minutes, I looked at it and I was like, this makes a ton of sense. It makes sense on a lot of levels for me because of a few things. Um, Number one, I love the technology of it. I do think that our industry is changing in so many ways. And to be able to connect with people anywhere in the world via the cloud campus, build relationships, have uh, education and classes available. As a mom at the time, that was incredibly invaluable to be able to access this kind of training and education from wherever I'm at with my kids. That was big. But the other big parts of it were to be able to have those additional streams of income that because they don't have all the expenses of, you know, huge bricks and mortar locations, they're able to share that revenue with their agents. And we had built a company like that with 120 agents, but the person who was making the money in that franchise was the franchisor, the people who own the franchise, because they got paid off of revenue. We as franchisees got paid off of profit and there was very little to no profit. So, being able to do that and being able to be owners and shareholders and stock in the company, it just was a trifecta for us. And having already ran a company, uh, having been through so many failures, and, and what I hope that people will hear too is that as much as I've had incredible success, I have failed a thousand times more. <laughs> I have screwed up. I have been beat up. I've done stupid stuff. I've made bad decisions. I've attempted everything and everything. And, you know, it goes back to Michael Jordan's famous quote, right? I've missed 9,000 shots 
<laughs> right. I've failed over and over again. That's why I succeed. So to me, uh, EXP just made a ton of sense. And I've been really happy here. It has been, I will not lie, there have been some growing pains. There have been some challenges. But it was nothing to me because I've been through all that myself. And I, you know, my favorite quote that, that I think I came up with, somebody might also take credit, is you get paid in direct proportion to your ability to figure stuff out. Yeah. So, <laughs> yep. you know, take the time. Like, don't, instead of blaming everybody and saying, oh, the broker did this or the broker did that or I can't sell enough houses because of whatever the flavor of the day is, stop doing that and take 100% responsibility. You know, great agents do well in any market, at any company. It's not the company. It's you. And my good friend Rick Jiha did a whole rant on this on Facebook yesterday, and I loved it. Because he was like, look, stop blaming everybody else for whatever your situation is. We are an extraordinary industry. We have the ability to make ridiculous amounts of money. Ridiculous amounts of money. And we get to help people with the biggest financial decision they make in their life. Like, how lucky are we? I did not go to college. I did not get a college degree. I barely graduated high school by the skin of my teeth. Um, but the reality is we're in an industry where we get to help people and we should feel blessed every single day for what we get to do uh, on a daily basis. So I, I personally am thrilled about EXP. I am not surprised by their growth. I think the time has come. Um, I think the growth has been crazy. And like I said, there have been some growing pains with that. Uh, but you will see that some people can adapt and adjust and they can support and help. And some people can't. So I try to encourage people to always look at the possibilities and what you can do to contribute and give back and help. And no matter where you are, you will shine if you just put that basic information into your life. So it is obvious listening to you on this podcast that um, coaching, mentoring, helping people is a big part of, of, of the success you've had. And, and as you mentioned, you know, the, the failures that, that come along, by the way, every one of those just sets you up for a, a much better, bigger success down the road, right? Um, you just got to keep, keep fighting. So let's talk about that. In, around, was it around 2014 that you started kind of venturing out on, on and doing some speaking and some other stuff like that? Because you're now, you know, you, you now travel around the country with speaking engagements. Mm -hmm. And I, I talk about how that all got started. Well, you know, it's funny because it started even earlier than that. It started around 2009 or 10 when we had our brokerage. And, and people would ask me questions all the time, right? Because I, I was doing some big numbers and they would ask me for my advice on questions. And I got a little overwhelmed. I started getting overwhelmed by that. So I started a little thing I called Tuesday Tune-Up. We're in my local market every Tuesday at 12 to one, I did a one hour and say, come hang out with me. I'll teach you anything I know. You can ask me any questions you want. I don't care what company you're with, just show up. And it started out kind of innocently where I'd get a couple people and, you know, then it started growing and I'd get, you know, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 people coming to these. And then I started getting people with social media became big. And so they'd say, well, how can we watch it from, you know, South Dakota? And so I would put it on webinars and start doing webinars. And then I started getting asked to speak locally, which was a ton of fun. And I didn't really have any plan or purpose for it. I would just go speak. 
And then around 2015, end of 14, 15, when we decided to close down our company, I thought, well, it would be a lot more fun to go out and travel around and get to speak at events. So I started working with uh, Darlene Lines and them over at Real Estate Speakers Bureau, and they started uh, pushing me out there. And now this year, it's really started to kind of take off even more. I wasn't expecting to do quite as much, and it's been a blast. I mean, I, I laugh because you probably saw on Facebook when I went to the Florida meetings last week, a lot of the rooms I've spoken in are smaller. They'll have 50, 75 people because I'll do training classes and stuff like that. So when I walked into that room and it was so big, I had a little panic attack for a minute. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh my goodness, that it was so empty. And I was all a little bit nervous, but it ended up working out. We had a packed house and it, it was awesome. But I love it. I love being able to help people and give back. And like I said earlier, I have been given so much that, you know, there's that famous saying for those who are given much, much is expected. And I just love being able to see people's eyes light up and uh, nothing drives me more than all the people that come up to me after I speak and say, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I want to do. Or I can relate to that or I can connect and I want to do something like that. Nothing drives me more. So I love it. It's a blast. And I love the opportunity to mentor people. The ones that I love the most are the ones who actually do what I say, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a, that, I, I know your pain. <laughs> so. Yeah. Because people say, you know, there, there's always somebody who comes up to you afterwards and says, Oh, that won't work for me. I was like, all right. <laughs> you know, Or that won't work in my market or, you know, different things like that. And people say, well, I can't believe you share all of your information. Well, the truth is 99% of people will do nothing with it anyway, which is really the tragedy. You know, if you, if you do get a few people who do do it, it makes all the difference. It's life changing for them. And, you know, sometimes I think about that. I think, okay, if I could go back and if I could have had me now as a mentor, then right. Would, would I have listened? Like, you know, I think of my 30 year old self with, and getting to talk to my 55 year old self, what would the conversation have been like, you know, after 25 years in this business, but I think we're, I think we're incredibly blessed and I love the opportunity to give it back. And uh, I'm always available. People can call me, email me, Facebook message me, text me, and I'm always available to help. It's, it's funny you, you brought up that. What would, what would you have wanted, you know, 15 or 20 years ago? Because you know who said the same thing? I, I interviewed him just a few episodes ago, but Glenn Sanford said the same thing when he created EXP, mm-hmm. he thought about being at, because he was KW and he's very, you know, he was very successful there. And he said, but what, what, what are the things I would have wanted there? Right. And so it's, it's, it's very cool that you align with, uh, with somebody that you're, you're now working with. That's great. Let me, let me ask you this question about, about the coaching side of things and mentoring and, you know, cause you're, you're a broker owner and you know, all these people you got to train. What, what, what's the, what's the most important trait a real estate coach has to master? I think the most important trait they have to master is listening. Mm. I think that many times we're so quick to throw up on people, so to speak, right? To just like blow up on everything and tell them so much stuff and push them in a direction that doesn't work for them. Like I said, when I was back starting out and someone was pushing me to cold call, now there's nothing wrong with that. There are people that build hugely successful businesses doing cold calling. And, you know, Mike Ferry for years did incredible coaching along those lines. 
but it just wasn't for me. And the beauty of this industry as a whole is you get to build any version of success that you want. And that's completely okay. So there are people that are moms and they're only going to sell five or six homes a year. But you know what? That five or six homes a year equals forty or $50,000 a year that they can contribute to their family and spend time with their kids. Yeah. And then there are people who want to do big numbers. Like, I mean, I've seen every version of that success as well. When my kids were little, I wanted to work more from home and do more with them. And then I got to where I wanted to sell a hundred homes a year. And then that wasn't enough. And then I wanted to build a big team. And then I said, eh, enough of all that. Let's go back to selling 25, 30 homes a year. And I'm happy with that. More than enough money, take care of my family, does what I need. So I think the big challenge with coaching is that so many coaches are trying to push people to have these big numbers that are not necessarily what they want. And that's where I think as a coach, the number one skill is you have to listen. What is important to you? Is just doing a few deals a year what you want to do? Or do you want to build a big team? Do you want the responsibility of, you know, employees and staff and high expenses? And are you going to be able to run your business like a business? Or do you just want to be able to support your family and maybe take your kids on a Disneyland vacation or, you know, go to Spain for a couple of weeks or whatever that is for you. It's your version of success, not the coach's version of success. And that's where the disconnect is, I think, many times. Right. I, I can't interview you and not ask you about the Real Estate Real World podcast. Now you've, uh, as a fellow, oh. you, you've been doing, you started that thing in 2014, right? Yeah, I did. Wow. I did. So, so talk about, and, talk about that, that process and why you do it and why you like it and what are the challenges? You know, it's funny um, because at the beginning you were saying you did yours um, because you wanted to, you know, kind of dig into people and ask a lot of questions. And honestly, I just started it because I wanted to talk to cool people. I wanted to just reach nice. out and talk to all different people and hear what they have to say about the industry, about, you know, their lives. And I was just so fascinated by other people. And that's why I literally started the podcast. And I didn't really understand a whole lot about podcasts. So when people go back and listen to some, like some of the early episodes, <laughs> they're not so great, right? Like some of them are, I didn't know what I was doing. I literally did exactly what you and I are doing right now. I got on the phone. I did a conference call with people and recorded it and I got somebody to help me upload it. And I never really even edited them because I didn't know how to edit them. Um, and I just had conversations, but I have learned uh, to me, it's been one of the best things I've done. Now I will tell you, I haven't recorded an episode in about a year because I had a lot of stuff going on, but what's so funny is about two weeks before I went to Florida, I said, oh, I'm going to start recording some episodes again and then I ran into you and you were on my hit list of people to interview. <laughs> awesome. So <laughs> um but I love I love it. I've learned I've had some amazing guests. I've learned so much. Um even I think to me one of the most fascinating stories for me about my podcast is a lot of people are hesitant to reach out to people because of who they are, right? Oh my gosh, that's somebody important. They would never want to be on my little old show, right? And I'm sure you know who Bob Berg is, who wrote The Go-Giver. Yep. And so it's one of my all-time favorite books. And I was on his email list for something. 
And I remember saying, oh, I'd love to interview him, but he would never, like, why would he be on my show? Like, who am I? Like, I'm no big deal, right? And I got his email one day and I said, what the heck? I'm going to email him. <laughs> and so I emailed him and I said, hey, I have this podcast and I'd love to have you as a guest. And he responded. He said, sure, when? <laughs> like, wow, that's great. Oh my goodness. I was like so excited. And the other one is uh, the guy who wrote QBQ, John, I can't think of his last name right now. I'm embarrassed. I can't think of his last name, but he wrote the question behind the question. And there was a phone number in the back of his book. And I called it thinking, oh, it's probably like it's, you know, marketing people or something. I don't know. And I called and I said, hey, you know, this is Marguerite Costello and I have this whole podcast and I'd love to know if he'd be interested, if he would be interested in being a guest. He goes, well, this is John and I would love to be on your show. And I was so shocked that he answered the phone, first of all. And then I was thrilled to have him on the show. So I've met not people just in real estate. I've interviewed a lot of these great people in real estate. Um, but I've also just reached out to people that wrote amazing books that I think are cool. And they say yes. And I'm always so floored by that. But I think there's such a great lesson in that, right? Oh, absolutely. Like, you don't ask. Oh, my gosh, yeah. You're already a no. So what the heck? Ask. Yeah. And most people are honored to have to be a guest on your show. So I love the podcast. I think it's a great, a great uh, medium to be able to uh, talk to people. Um, but I, I think it's one of the funnest things I've done. I love it. I love to hear that. I, and for me, it is, it's a passion project for me. It's, it's, uh, I thought it, who knew I thought it would maybe go 10 episodes and now here we are, you know, three years later, uh, yeah. and, and I'm still lining up people. It's, it's so much fun. So I've, I can't wait to, uh, for yours to get rolling again. It'll be great. Let me, um, I'm yeah, going to wrap I'm this excited. up because I've had you here quite okay. a while. So I'm going to ask you the same question I've asked every guest on the show. And that is, if you could give one piece of advice to a new agent just getting started in the business, what would it be? I would say what I frequently say is get a, get a database program and put people in it. Every day, make it a goal. It is the most valuable thing you own, the most valuable thing you own. And uh, Harvey Mackey said it best, the most valuable thing he owned is his Rolodex. And it is those relationships that you build and develop and deepen over years will come back to you in ways that you never imagined in a million years. You never know who you're going to be working for. You'll never know who's going to work for you. You never know where those relationships are going to take you, but they are worth more than gold. So pay attention to that. That's the only advice I would really give is that keep track of those people and give more than you can get. Like always be depositing in their bank accounts, right? Always be putting that little bit of extra effort to help other people and it will all come back to you. I can just tell you, I just know there, I don't know how to, how to quantify it or how to dictate it, but I can promise you that those relationships come back to you a thousand times, a thousand times in so many ways. So just pay attention to the value of each relationship in your life, no matter what company they work at, no matter where they are or who they are, and just watch how that will fill your life up far beyond what you ever expected. Mm. Marguerite, if somebody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Facebook is awesome, but they are also free to shoot me an email at mc at the Uh You can go to marguerite.crispillo.com on, uh, on my website is there and check things out. Or you can always find me on Facebook. I'm not hard to find on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Just my name is hard to spell. It's 19 letters long, but 
Yeah, well, we'll have that Other in the show that. notes, and hopefully I, I'll, I'll yeah. make sure I spell it properly. But yeah, 19 letters. That's yeah. awesome. Um, Marguerite, thank you uh, so much for the time today. I really appreciate it. And it was so it was interesting for me to, to hear you on this call. Um, you're very passionate about certain topics. And uh, so things that I saw in Florida, I got to um, you got to say again here. And so a different audience gets to hear that. So I think uh, just great job. And and I can't wait to, to listen to the real estate real world get kicked back up. Thank you. I'm so excited. I really, I'm super honored to be here. And thank you for your time.